How's everyone today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go. We'll go for more, right? I'll try to reach out for more. <laughs> Let's take our Bibles this afternoon and turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter three. And uh, last week we continued on with our quest in understanding grace. We moved to a little different portion, if you will, in the sense of how to unleash or to utilize the power of grace. And we used as our text last week, Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, we'll begin reading again today in verse 14, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom The whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. May God add a special blessing to the reading of his word. And let us just pause for prayer prior to our study this afternoon. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for you being completely and fully in control in a world that's gone crazy. Father, we thank you for the grace that we've been able to talk about and to see un, unveiled in the Word of God, the message that you've given to us, the ones, Father, that Christ died for. We think of the amazing extent of grace. As John the Baptist saw Jesus Christ walking toward him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. That grace packaged in the Lord Jesus Christ became fruition when you rose him from the dead, proving that it was satisfactory, the gift that, had been give, that could be given to all because the sacrifice was complete. Father, we'll pray for your wisdom today to be imparted through the exclusive knowledge of the Holy Spirit, that, and he would be our teacher. Father, we thank you for those that have come out today. We would ask that you would open their minds, their hearts, their lives, and they would receive exactly what you, had, that you desire for them to receive. And Father, relationally, that we would be at a higher plane than we were this morning. Father, we thank you for all that's been accomplished. We thank you for the awesomeness of a God that cares for us, loves us, and literally, Father, died for us. Now, Father, take these words from Ephesians, utilize them in a manner that would be pleasing to you and fruitful to us. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, His name, Amen. <clears throat> Well, as we uh, briefly discussed uh, last week, we kind of just got started on this phase, if you will, um, in Ephesians. Um, if we were going to break that down, and it, it, tying it back together where we were in the sense of the, the pictures that Paul gave to his, the one he was mentoring, Timothy, he wanted him to see um, really what living grace was all about. And Timothy was actually ministering in the church in Ephesus, a church that actually uh, was troublesome. It was, uh, it was difficult for Timothy being a young man. And uh, 
And Paul was trying to raise him up. He was trying to raise him to a level of, hey, Timothy, let's get after it. Let's get after it. Let's go. Let's get your grace on fire. Let's move forward. He, he, he compared, remember those four examples or those four pictures of which Paul was trying to have uh, Timothy look at to, to fire up his life? Well, the first one was that of a Athlete. That was number two, but that's good enough. I'll take that answer. Absolutely. And the first one would have been, remember who was going to be? That's exactly right. See, Mimi, you remembered what we said last week about Paul, didn't we? What did we say about Paul last week? Paul, do you remember what we said about you last week? <laughs> I'm going to step aside now because Paul was going to be teaching today. <laughs> remember that? What? Yes, I do. Yeah, you do remember that now, don't you? <laughs> the one thing we... The one thing about teaching, though, that's very important is, is we all should be teachers. There's, there's someone that needs to know something more about Jesus Christ. And it's interesting, when you study the Word of God, when you study it to learn more about it and to teach someone, that's the point of effort that really ties you in to a full expression of really what it means to go to the next level. Someone that studies hard enough to want to teach others is really gleans much more. So he talked about a teacher. He talked, as, as Ernie said, a soldier. Oh, no, I gave that one away, didn't I? Ah, oh, oh. So what was the third one then? Soldier, thank you. And the last one would have been that of a farmer. All of those pictures are showing a sense of self-denial, selflessness, and literally being utilized in a manner that God can use effectively. Well, then we thought, well, let's go ahead and see how do we unleash or how do we utilize the power of grace? We have a lot of power in the, in the... That's one thing we've been discovering over the multiple weeks that we've been here is how big and large grace is. It's not only that we're saved by it, but we can live in it. We can be disciplined by it. It is magnanimous in the sense of the size and scope of it. So how do we use it? So last week we went to Ephesians, which incidentally was the church in which Timothy was actually ministering when Paul wrote that letter to him. And Ephesians breaks down really nicely into two sections, which Paul does... I guess I would say he does it regularly. And the first part of it is always you got to think right before you can live right. Wrong thinking, wrong living. Right thinking, right living. It just works that way. I mean, it does. And so he wants to make sure that the thought processes are working effectively and in the right manner to start with. So he breaks out in Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 in getting the thought process and, and us understanding our position. Now, one of the things that you find... Uh, even though this isn't necessarily a study in Ephesians, we're taking just that section out of it that fits it all together. But in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, it talks about... Remember, remember when we compared uh, maybe Ephesians chapter... Uh, if the whole book of Ephesians 2 last week, remember we talked about uh, a car. A car. Now, you may have the most impressive car from the sense of engine and power and performance. It's impressive, and you've got all the statistics, all the specs... And it is amazing what you can do with that car. And you can talk about even where you may be going. You can pull out the road atlas and you can say, I'm going to go here and here and here and here. In this beautiful car that has a tremendous amount of power and energy and luxury. Are you all there yet? Have I got you in the car? <laughs> but you will never get where you think you may want to go until you do at least one thing. And that is start. That's an important thing, too, to make sure you have it gassed up or fueled up. But one of the, you go to a Daytona 500 or something on a race, and there's always some words that preface each and every race. Gentlemen, start your engines. 
because they're not going anywhere without starting your engines. And literally, now in Ephesians chapter, if you think about it this way, Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 is all about the, the engine. It's all about who you are in Christ. And you will find that in whom, in him, in Christ. All of those things talk about the power that you have within him. And then chapters 4 through 6 is talking about literally the roadmap. He, he's peeling out a road atlas to Christianity, to the real unfolding the inner man, that new spiritual being that you are once you're in Christ, and showing you what and where you can be on this roadmap of life. And in between that, that section we just read, perfectly inserted, is how do you start the engine. Ignition, if you will. And it's amazing the things that Paul brings in these short verses. And by the way, there's another, there's a, uh, another thing that he does. It's, it's a level, we're going to look at five things. Last week we looked at one, and we're going to be, I'm, I'm sure you're thinking about that one was because I'm going to be asking you, and if you can't answer, we'll have to start all the way back over again. Okay, so, but, but are you ready? You, you don't know, do you? But we'll keep, we'll, Paul, are you looking at your notes? Yeah. Very good, very good. As a matter of fact, though, um, now I lost what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good, good. <laughs> it's a level of progression. There's five steps, and it's not, you can't miss one. You have to start from the first one, and it's like stepping stones progressively getting to where you end up. You can't start in step five. You can't start in, or you can't be in step two and then just drop off and expect to get there. These five steps we're looking at are actually very integrally, progressionally oriented. You must go one, two, three, four, and five. And at the end, your motor, your grace, the power of grace is started and running and then Remember one of the things that he says, and one of the things that's actually become, I think you guys really work hard at it here in this church, and that is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, speaking the truth in love. How do you speak the truth in love? Now, if you just give that commandment, guess what? It's not as easy as you think it is. A lot of us are good at truth. Some of us are good at love and putting them all together. In other words, right now, today, in, in a lot of areas of our country, we need a lot of truth, don't we? We need a lot of truth. Mark Twain had a saying, which I'm probably not going to get exactly right. It's not what people don't know. It's what they do know that ain't so. And there's a whole lot of that going on today, isn't there? But speaking the truth in love. Now, to have chapters 4 through 6 of Ephesians actually being unfolded and for us to be utilizing in a real roadmap, then we must learn and understand how to ignite or to start your engine. Well, the first one, uh, which we, we talked about last week, was actually, which we find in verse, uh, let's, go, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm knowing as, seeing as no one is offering to tell me which one we spoke of last week, uh, is anyone take, want to take a guess, or do you remember what we talked about last week? The first step in, in, in igniting your engine, or the first step in unfolding and utilizing the power of grace is what? Self-denial is very key. I think, I think we'll find that component to be just immersed through all of these, actually. And that is, that's, a, that's a, one of the, how, so how, do we, how do we have some sense of selflessness or self-denial? Remember we talked about appetites. Did we, and that, those of you that weren't here last week, you're certainly not on trial. But I do know one certain person that was here last week. <laughs> not naming any names or anything, but... <laughs> And he is really looking for his notes, aren't you? I can't find it, can you? One of the, that's okay. One of the things that we talk is actually our world goes crazy. I left you with some questions last week as well to kind of prompt you along the line of 
Where are we spending our time? There, are, there is what we would call the outer man. You look up, remember, we looked looking in the mirror and how does, how does he or she look? What do we do about that? Do we take care of her, of her him or her? Are we feeding? Are we, are we brushing? Are we doing all of the things that make the outer man better? The answer is yes, and we should, by the way. That's important. But there's the other part of us that actually is being renewed daily. In fact, let's go back to our, I think it would be good for us to go back to our text. Uh, one of the texts we used last week, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, let's pick up the reading there. I think I'm right. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, and then again, maybe not. Aha! That is important, isn't it? Yes. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Thank you very, very much. That was my next try. Um, chapter 4, and let's look at verses 16 through 18. <clears throat> verse 16. Uh, actually, let's back up to verse 14. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 14. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise, us, raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Think of that for a second. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Watch. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And that's really what Paul is asking for us to consider. Now going back to Ephesians chapter 3. There's the outer man and the inner man. Which one do you spend the most time on? Which one? Now, it told us it was one is renewed day by day. Every day is a brand new, the inner man is... As, now, last week even, you're seven days older than you are, are you, you're seven days older now than you were a week ago. Do you feel it? No. Someone <laughs> said yes. I was hoping we wouldn't have it. But, but sometimes, have you ever woke up some morning and you say, oh man, I feel like I'm, right, a hundred years old or whatever. How would you know that, right? But the point is you feel a lot older than you think you should. And that's the older, that's, that's the outer man. And, and they are. It's continually, every moment, actually just deteriorating ever so slightly. But the inner man is the one that we want to feed and to take care of because it's the, it's the real you. It's the spiritual side of you. And to make that brand new and to be renewed every day is literally the goal that we should be looking for. So one of the questions I asked last week, how much time do you spend working on the outer man? Did anybody figure that out? Roughly? That would be nobody. Okay, so just think about it in the, in the course of your day. Quite a bit of time is spent on the outer person, isn't it? The question was, how much time is spent on the inner person? Hmm, it's very quiet in here right now. Did you notice that? And we can't even turn on the air conditioner, no. right? It would be the wrong thing to do today. The inner man, though, and what Paul is first of all saying, the first thing you must do is to strengthen the inner man. Let's go back to our text and read it one more time, having focused on that now. Ephesians chapter 3, and let's look now, and, and I want you again to see his position, uh, uh, how serious he's taking this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, we find him in prayer. For this cause I bow my knees unto, Father, unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, comma, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's the first thing that he is saying that we must do in this process is to strengthen the inner man. Now, that strength comes from the Holy Spirit. We talked quite a bit about that, actually, 
And so how do we, uh, how do we, or what, what, what should I say? What are some important considerations for us in strengthening the inner man? What is our part in bringing strength to the inner man? What, what can we do? Obviously, you see the source of that is from the Holy Spirit. If you're trying to do this on your own, it's going to be a self-made thing. You, you will accomplish very, very little. It, it just isn't going to happen because you can't change things yourself. You can't change the inner part. If you could, we wouldn't need Jesus. Jesus would not have had to die. But he did have to die because we're dead in trespasses and sins. So the inner part must come from a change that he initiates by the Holy Spirit, which get, lives within you. Now think of that. In fact, let's go back. This is the key verse that he's actually going back to. This is all reviewed from last week. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. Ephesians 2, 22. In whom you also are built together. In other words, in Christ, you also are built together for a habitation or a house of God through the Spirit. Think of that. We're going to be talking about this. Our second one is going to be coming up rather shortly. But think of this. To have the God that created the universe to literally be living in you. Consider that for a second. That, that doesn't even... Are you kidding me? That's the power of the grace that really is unleashed when we utilize it of what God has given us. That's crazy, isn't it? And that's really literally at our fingertips almost as we continue to unfold what God has asked us to do. Now, as far as the Holy Spirit, it tells us that we are sealed unto the day of redemption or He indwells us. So what are you doing to nourish or feed the Holy Spirit? That sounds almost strange, doesn't it? But where to strengthen, how do you strengthen something? You feed it, correct? The Word of God. The Word of God. Absolutely true. It is our manna. It is our food. It is the thing that literally allows us to do something that only you can do, the choices and how you, how do you, how do you, um, how do you respond to the Holy Spirit? Do you yield to him or do you quench the spirit? Or do you, what's the other words? Quench, do not quench or do not grieve. Grieving or quenching. Do we, do we do that with the Holy Spirit or do we yield? When we're yielding, guess what happens? We're growing. We're stretching those muscles. Just as you get, maybe many of you work out and you're getting your, your outer man stronger and continue to work on keeping it going. And, you know, and not, nothing wrong with that. But how do we exercise the inner man? That is what he's talking about, to gain strength in the inner man. How do we do that? By making and are yielding to the Holy Spirit in choices that come along our way. All day long, you have decisions that come before you. All day long. Some of them, it's amazing. Um, some of the more difficult ones actually allow us not to pay attention to something that is very important. If you've been in that, we've got so many decisions coming, and you're keyed on one of them that sometimes you just whew, you forget about the other ones. Now, one of the things is that I have a real problem with. If I'm on the cell phone, which is a fair amount of time, sad to say, but it's true, and if I'm walking around and I'm in the kitchen or in the house, it's amazing what I'll do while I'm talking on the phone. And I have to walk while I talk. I have to do that. I just have to. Now, I don't do it when I'm in the car, obviously, but, I mean, if I'm, if I'm outside, I'm walking while I'm talking, and I'm thinking, and, I'm, and then, of course, if there's a little something to snack on, I'm going to snack on that, right? And not even thinking about it. I didn't, didn't even come. It didn't. Should I or should? I don't know. I just ate it. <laughs> so I have to be very careful where I'm at, right? So sometimes our choices that we make are almost made either by, I'm going to say this, out of peer pressure or no pressure at all because we're not even thinking about it. 
And sometimes those things have huge consequences when we're not even thinking about what we're deciding about. You know what I'm talking about. Our society is really fast right now. It's spinning at a high rate of speed. But the decisions and the choices we make and yielding to the Holy Spirit is of utmost importance in us developing and strengthening the inner man. It's key. We talked last week about walking in the Spirit, a daily conduct or a step at a time. And I, for me, it has been much, it's been very essential for me to just take life in very small steps. I can, I can deal with that. Lord, what do you want me to do next? What do you want me to do? Just, just, just right now, what do you want me to do? Well, that was the first. We talked quite a bit about that last week. So that's step one, developing and strengthening the inner man. Now, the next one, it, it may sound even a little bit uh, strange to you, but let's go back to our text in Ephesians because you're going to say, well, I don't understand this. Well, let's keep going. Verse 16, it said, that he would grant you, this is his prayer, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, semicolon, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Well, wait a minute. I thought, I thought Christ dwelled within her. I, I thought he was already there. The word dwell we have there, uh, the, word that is, uh, the Greek word that's used is made up of two words, and one of them is to be down, and then the other one is to be at home. Okay? Have you ever heard the South, down home? It's when that person feels at home, not just being in a home. In other words, if you stepped in for the first time and you stepped into this building, and we'll just call this a house, okay? And you stepped in for the first time and... and I'm a, I'm a brand new person. I've never been in here before. And I just take a look around. And, uh, right? I'm not at home. I may be in the home, but I'm not at home. Do you follow what I'm saying? You see the difference? I mean, now, now if someone that would have been here for a long period of time and knows everyone here and has been here numerous times and he, he or she knows everything that's in here, and it's in a place that's very comfortable, very hospitable. It fits their personality. It's a place that they love to be. It's who they really are. That's down home. You see the difference? Now, as we are strengthening our again, I told you those five steps are all steps that are progressive. You start with one and you add on to it. And you add on to it and you add on to it and you get to the end. It's very much, as you're strengthening the inner man, guess what happens? It starts to be a place that Christ who dwells in you, but he feels at home in you. Now, let's take a look at your, 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 your house or your heart, your, the real you, the inner man. Let's take it and look, let's look at it as a house, okay? So where would be one of the first places that Jesus Christ would want to come and look and see how things are going? And, and imagine now you've got your home, and he's been, now you welcome him in, right? He knocks on the door. Oh, well, it's Jesus. Well, come on in. You would do that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and then he would want to see what room first, probably. What do you think would be the room that he would be probably the most interested in? Because we've already kind of given, and you get, now the women are going crazy here, right? Not today. Oh, my goodness. Not, no. How did, right? Okay, stop that for just a second. Jesus knows how messy our lives can be. He knows all of that. But, but he's interested in some really key things. Okay, So we've already talked about Ephesians now, or a lot of other books that Paul wrote. You've got to get the thinking right before you can get the living right. So where do you think he may want to go? And you say, well, I don't even have one of these rooms in my house. Well, everybody's got a library of some kind. 
There's stuff that you're reading. There's stuff that you're, that you're partaking that's building your thinking. That's probably where Jesus would want to go first. That part of the room, he'd want to, our part of your house, he wants to go to the library. He wants to see what your mind is feeding on. Hmm. Okay, and do you see now as you're strengthening the inner man and you're yielding to the choices that the Holy Spirit is raising up before you, guess what happens? The library gets filled with good stuff. And all of a sudden, Jesus is going to be a lot more comfortable in being there in that home, being able to relay information to you on things that are on the same level. Because something else that you're going to find, I'm going to use this word again, as Jesus is comfortable in your home, in your house, and you his very nature begins to permeate the house. The very essence of who he is becomes part of you. You see it? You see the difference? Now, he goes from the library and he says, well, you've got some interesting things in here that you're reading and partaking of, watching. Let's go to the dining room. Or the kitchen. It's a dining room kitchen combination because those two are where it's the place of appetites, Right? It's where all of those things, what, what you desire, you find right there as you're sitting down around the, the dining room table. And Jesus says, huh, well, what are you spending? Oh, that's what you're eating. I see. Is that what you really like? Is that what you love? Hmm. You see where you see? It's actually kind of incriminating a little bit, can't it? But Jesus wants to see it all. Now, and then he may go into the living room. Now, that's a place of fellowship. A lot of going on now through the whole day. Have you ever had a friend? Think of this for a moment. Your best friend, that's who Jesus Christ wants you. Not only your Savior, he wants, you to, he, wants, he wants himself to be your very, very best friend. He does. He's a friend. Now, how would you like that if your best friend came into the living room and there's a lot of activity, right? A lot of activity. You would have invited some people over probably to your home, and there, there's all kinds of conversation going on, and you're visiting with this person, you're visiting with that person, you're visiting with this person. And you know what you haven't done in the whole evening or the whole day is you didn't talk with your best friend. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? How much of our day goes by and just totally eclipse our talking with our Lord, our Savior, our friend, Jesus Christ? Ooh, it's not enough, is it? I'll just guarantee you, there's not a person in this room that really that we are visiting and talking enough with our very best friend. Not only our Savior, but our best friend. That one that cares us, cares for us, and loves us beyond imaginable. It's just unimaginable. And then Jesus says this. He says, I smell something. There's, there's something in this house that's just, I don't know, it's, I don't know what it is. But it's got a real bad odor. I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> well, 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 how about that? <laughs> Message going on there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it's not only just in Sawyer's room. It could be another place. It could be, um, I, there's something, and I think it's over here. And, and you, now I'm, I'm going I'm to play the owner of the home, right? I could be Sawyer for a second. I'm just going to, uh, not to pick on Sawyer or anything, but my name is Sawyer for this second, right? And, uh, and you know, it seems like it's coming from this area. And, and I, you know, you, no, you don't want to go in here. This is not the place you want to go. This is, no, this is, this is my room. This is my closet. And there's a few things in there that I haven't really got ready for you to inspect. And you know what Jesus wants. What does he say? I do want to go in that room. I want to see what you have in that room. Because that's probably the room in the closet that's filled with all kinds of stuff that just doesn't make me feel comfortable. 
Now think of this for a moment. Um, and again, we're not, I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to make anyone perfect here today, but the thing that really does, in fact, make the home or your house, your heart, uncomfortable for Jesus is what? Sin. Think of this for a second. I just, just, just popped in my mind. It was something I studied, but it came right now. In Genesis chapter 18 and 19, you'll find the fact that God came with two other angels on, on a, it was, it was a, a preparation or a preface to them going to Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and Christ, in a pre-incarnate Christ, comes with two other angels. It's God himself. And he comes in and presents himself before Abram and Sarah. Now, do you, do you remember how that went? God went right into the tent. And, and what did Sarah do? She's rustling around and going, and, 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 and let's, go get, let's go get the fatted calf, and let's get this all. You can just see this. You want to read it? I mean, if you think I'm making this up, let's go to Genesis chapter 18. Let's, let's get into the drama of it. I want you to see this, because I think there's, 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 there's an understanding here that is key for us to see of how to make Christ or God uncomfortable. Now, let's go to, uh, let's just start reading in chapter 18 of Genesis and verse 1. The Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, him being Abram. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them. Are you all there? I guess I went a little too fast. That'd be verse 2, Genesis chapter 18. When he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray thee, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort you your hearts after that you shall pass on for therefore you come to your servant and they said do so do and as thou hast said and abram hastened that means he ran into the tent unto sarah and said honey quick make something quick for these people that have come uh, that's i'm paraphrasing just a minute but you can tell let's get something we've got some visitors come on let's make them host. Let, let's go go you can just see this thing can't you did you swear to hasten it means get after it okay you guys didn't see it that much though it, I'm telling you, he was on fire. He wanted to show these people the, 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 his, his place. Abraham ran, verse 7. Why? Did you see it? Again, Abraham ran into the herd, fetched a calf tender and good, gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk, and the calf which he had dressed, set it before them. He stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And, he said unto his wife, and they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Sarah, I'm sorry, Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age and ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being also old? And the Lord, in other words, she said, just, just not only because I'm old, but my husband's really old too, Right? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying that I have a surety bear a child which am old? Is it anything too hard for the Lord? At that time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And it, it goes on for a little bit. Then verse 16, the, the men rose up from thence, looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Now, I want to stop for a moment. And it goes through this session of Abraham. Now, what had happened is Lot and Abraham had parted company. Lot has went to Sodom, and Abram is, he's out on the plains of Mamre, and he's ranching out there. And the Lord, who, now did you see, did you see, I want you to see this now, did you, we read that whole little thing, and did you see the hurriedness in which Abraham was making comfortable 
and hospitable in everything he did for those visitors? Did you see it? He took no, he was after it. He was after it. And he also knew who he was talking by the end of this conversation because it was clear that he said that the Lord said, um, we're going to have to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And you remember what Abram said? Well, how about if there's 50? Would you? Yes, I'll spare it for 50. And he goes all the way down to... And the point of the matter was, is Abraham was trying to save Lot's life. But did you see something? Now, this is what I want you to see. Um, obviously, he did save Lot. So I want to make that very clear. And if you go to First or Second Peter, you will find that actually it shows us that Lot was a saved man. Barely, but he was saved. Okay? I want you to see something now. The Lord God was comfortable in visiting and fellowshipping and dining with Abraham. He didn't go to Lot's house. He wasn't comfortable there. Sin would make God very uncomfortable. So again, seeing the, see the steps of progression, taking back to Ephesians chapter 3, when we are strengthening the inner man, that is responding and yielding to the Holy Spirit, reading the scriptures, wanting our inner man to be strengthened, then it sets it up perfectly for it to be a comfortable place for Jesus. I want my home to be comfortable. And, at, you know, Jesus should be able to just say, oh, it's good to be home. Think of that. That's what he wants. Just hit me like a ton of bricks. Jesus wants to call your heart his home. And he wants to be comfortable there. He doesn't want to, oh, I got to go back and see Larry today. Good grief, that guy. He just, I wish he'd clean up his life, right? It's not like that. And you say, well, of course, he already lives it. Yes, he does. But you see the difference of what they're saying? To really feel at home or to just be, I'm going home. Very, very step-oriented. What a beautiful picture that Jesus would even care to be in our home. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 for a moment. Actually, on your way back, go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 23. John 14, 23. John 14. Um, Judas, in, in verse 22, says this. Uh, John 14, 22 says, Judas saith unto him, this is speaking of Jesus, and not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest or show thyself unto us and not unto the world? What's, what's going to be different about us versus the rest of the world? Watch verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. See, we should be also feeling at home with other fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in, in encouraging one another and building ourselves up. Each, each other up. Hebrews chapter 10, and let's look now at verses uh, 24 and 25. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider one another to provoke, that is to encourage, if you will, unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting, again, lifting up, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's so key. Uh, do, you, uh, do you find yourself... 
um, in today, in the year 2019, um, some, there's some that you get to the end of a day and, and just the pressures, the whole societal thing is just weighs on you, right? You listen to the news very long and you can't listen to the news very long anymore, right? It just wears you out. It just wears you down. I look at some, I listen to some of the things taking place at a national level today and I just, I have to just go click. It is so far off. It is so weird, so whacked. It makes no sense whatsoever. And that's even more important. That's what it's saying as the end or the, the end is coming, the latter day is coming. That's even more important for us to assemble. Not only here today on a Sunday afternoon, but even sometimes a Christian brother and sister getting on the phone with one another, communicating, texting, whatever it is. Hey, in him, in Christ, how you doing? Can I help you? What are you thinking about today? Where's Jesus in your life? How's your, how's your walk? See, all of those things, they're key for us to continue on in a world that's gone crazy. Have you ever seen an onslaught or conflict between good and evil today as it is today? Oh, right? Let's make our homes, our, our hearts home to Christ. <coughs> <coughs> Let's go to the third one. Let's go back to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, and let's look at number 3. First one was to strengthen the inner man. That's key. That is an absolutely key component in yielding, walking in the Spirit, and then making our home comfortable for the dwelling of Christ. And let's continue. Let's start in verse 16 again. Paul again speaking, that he would grant you, he's praying, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ, I want to come back to one thing. I want to come back. Did you see that? He would grant you according to the riches of his glory. According to his riches. Now you could say it out of his riches or according to his riches. And you say, well, what's the difference? Let's say that there was a millionaire and he came up to Paul, and, and by the way, you knew that he was a millionaire. And he gave him $100. And Paul says, thank you, right? That was what you'd say. I'm not going to, you're not even going to get in trouble on this one. You're good. Now, he would, have, he would have paid out of his riches. That is exactly right. Now, if this millionaire, let's make him a multimillionaire, and he gave Paul $200,000, Paul would say, thank you. thank you very much. <laughs> okay, you're slow on this one here, Paul, but that's okay. Now, what would have that, the difference? Same man, he's according to his riches, not just out of them, not throwing a $10 bill out the window, but he's, pay, he's, he's, he's paying or giving in accordance to his riches. Read that again. Let's read it again now. Watch. <clears throat> Verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit. Do you already feel stronger? Amen. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Verse 17, now watch. That Christ may dwell in your hearts, to feel totally at home in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in love. Now, one of the things that we talked about when Christ is living and He's comfortable and He's, you know what, He's, you're going to enjoy having Him in your home. Have you ever had someone that you really like to have in your home and then there's other people that you don't like to have in your home quite as much? 
Yeah, I see a lot of nodding and a lot of thinking going on right now. Okay, well, Jesus Christ should be that one that you love to have in your home because then you start to see the fellowship and you see the permeation of his very nature that goes throughout you. Your home becomes a home of, what was the word we just found? To be rooted in love. In love. Now, we talked about last week. In fact, let's go to, I just thought of this now. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, the love chapter. Let's go there for a moment. You hear it certainly at weddings and different occasions of which love is to be pronounced and to be talked about. Let's just uh, dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and let's, uh, let's look at this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love or charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Let's stop there for a second. Just think of the, just think of the, of, of the mountainous, no pun intended, situation that he unfolds for you. Literally, uh, Baldy, if we, just, if we had enough faith, which I can't see. Why did I think I could see it out there? But just think of Baldy. You all know what it looks like. And to think that I have enough faith to move that mountain and I had no love, I, it was absolutely accomplishing zero. Think of it that way. The formula he's giving you. With everything minus love is nothing. If you had everything minus love equals nothing. That's a big statement. Let's keep going. I left you in verse 2. Verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Watch now. Charity or love suffereth long. It's long-suffering. And is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Love or charity never faileth. But whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they be knowledge, they shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in, in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, know I, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Love. If we were going to say something, um, what would you say? Now, you've probably heard this. Love is... So let's just fill in a couple of them. One of them, we would say love is an emotion, right? You heard that one? Okay. What else have you heard or think? Love is? Excuse me? An action. Absolutely. It's an action. What else? Don't be shy. All right. I like that one, love is an action. I would have to say this, love is, I'll just do this, is an act of selflessness. Right? Sometimes the thing that we talk about is love being an emotion. That's pretty lighthearted. Let, let's try that. Let's try that out. Let's try that out. Okay? Let's, let's go to John 3.16. 
Okay, let's go there for a second. John 3.16. Verse you guys all know, right? (laughs) All right, thank you, Ernie. Uh, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he emotionally was very tied to it. Falls flat, doesn't it? How do we measure love? What makes the love meter go hard to the right? Action. See, God didn't just tell us He loved us. He showed us He loved us. Huge difference, isn't it? When a husband and wife, when they say, I love you, when does it mean something? When it... It's supposed to. <laughs> yes, it is. And how is it showing? Usually in an action, isn't it? Excuse me? When I do her dishes. When I do her dishes. <laughs> now, isn't it amazing? It isn't. Ernie, Ernie says to Alice, Alice, honey dear, I'm emotionally thinking about doing the dishes. <laughs> right? And Alice would say, <laughs> get some action in those words, buddy, right? Get after it. And it's amazing, love does not become love until it literally becomes an action. Until then, it's just, it's just talk. That's what's so special about what Jesus Christ accomplished on Calvary's tree. He took all of the initiative. He took all of the risk. He took all of the pain. He took all of the everything of which he never got anything back except to know that he'd accomplished God's will. Now, that's one of the things. I'm coming back. I just happened to hit it right now. In, in the dining room, Think of dining room of your heart, and Jesus is looking through the menu of all of the things that you really desire and love. And it can be a really long menu, can it? I love to, I want, I desire, right? When he's done with the menu in the kitchen, do you know what's on it? It's one item. You pull out the menu from the rack, and this is what we're going to have for supper. And you open it up, and it says... God's will. That's the only thing that matters is doing God's will. Isn't that good? That's really good because that's what Christ, that's how he feels at home is he, when he knows that that inner man is being strengthened and you are literally doing everything possible to make sure that God's will is flourishing and unfolding. Do you know what happens? Love permeates everything you're involved with. It becomes the very extension of what you're about when you're doing God's will. Do you see how this is progressionary? I don't think that's a word, is it? Progressionary? (laughs) Sounded good. Yeah, we'll go with it. Strengthening the inner man, followed by... Yeah, uh, so making the home comfortable for Christ, followed by an abundant... I'm going to use the word incomprehensible love. Doesn't that sound grandiose? incomprehensible love. In fact, next week we're going to look at even a little bit further in the sense of, of diagnosing the sense of the, the breadth, the width, the height of this love that's so surpassing of anything we can understand. That love that permeates from the very essence of Christ's dwelling there. Let's look at a couple of other things. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And let's look at verse 21. looking at the sense of how much He loved us. 
who by him, speaking of Jesus, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. From the very essence of his resurrection gives us hope and faith. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8. Look at this in regards to love. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 8 says, And above all things have fervent charity or love among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Love is amazing in, it, in what it can accomplish. Now, one of the things about love that, it, to someone that has never, let's say that you are going, I want you to do this right now, okay? Again, let's just say someone walks through the door. I really like having this door in this church. I can do a lot of stuff. Walk in the door, and this guy's name is Bill. And Bill walks to the front of the church just like this, and Bill says to you, what is love? What would you tell Bill? Can you, can you describe for Bill what love is? What you, how, how, how are you? Now, Bill's, Bill's never been here before. He's never been anywhere. He doesn't, love is it's the first time that he's ever seen or heard the word love. Now, I want you to help Bill understand what love is, and you're going to start. So I'm, I'm going to just write these things down. Bill's going to be listening, but I'm going to be writing things down for, for you. <clears throat> so love is, excuse me, kind, okay. I, I'm going to have to trade places here because I'm going to be writing it and I'm going to play Bill too. What is Kind. What is nice? <laughs> Kind-hearted. Okay. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you see how difficult I'm going to make this? I'm going to keep running back and forth because I'm going to keep playing it. And then you, the truth seekers have seen me do this before, right? I just, I'm a very good devil's advocate, right? That's what I do because I want to get to the bottom of stuff. I want to see what is really behind it. What is, what is going to be really difficult for Bill? Let's, let's name some more things. This, this is okay. What else can we say about love? How could we describe? And again, kind of wanting to describe this to Bill. Let me give you an example while you're thinking. Sometimes it's what we do. Now, there's this story. I probably told you this before, but again, it's a perfect place for it. So there was a, um, in a war-torn country, there was a little boy in, that was walking the streets. And, you know, this little guy, he's probably five or six years old, right? And he's, and he's looking into the window of a bakery, and there's donuts in there, right? So that's what lives in a bakery is donuts, right? And to a little five or six-year-old boy early in the morning, and he doesn't have any money, so he's just looking. I don't know, you know, right? You got, you're right there. I got you right there. I got you there. And here comes, this, here comes this military soldier, an American, and he watches this. And he walks in, and he buys a dozen donuts. And he comes out, and he gives it, son, how would you like these? And the little boy looked in the bag. Are you Jesus? <laughs> Do you see what I wanted to? Until you experience it, you really can't comprehend it. I think one of the clearest things we could say, if we were going to describe love, is God. Is God. He's given everything so that we could be reunited with Him. Isn't that beautiful? 
He gave his only begotten son. But even a, you know, um, love between a husband and a wife, it's the sense of being to experience that is the key to comprehending its depth. Agape love, the difference, and another we could play this game too, is, oh, honey, I love you so much as long as you cook really good. Or, honey, I love you so much as long as you bring home a big paycheck. Honey, I love you so much as long as you keep making those apple pies. Do you see? Now, that's a very conditional love, isn't it? As long as you look pretty, as long as you continue to... Do you see? That's all conditional. That's not the love we're talking about here. The love that God gave to us and is part of... That permeating your life will be that that word called agape or agapao, a self-sacrificing love with nothing expected in return. That's the kind of love that will permeate you when you are strengthening your inner self, followed by making the home your heart comfortable for Jesus Christ. And guess what? You know how they have those signs, home sweet home? When Jesus has that in your heart as home sweet home, guess what happens? Your life is just smothered with and permeated with agape love. What a beautiful place. Now, do you see what's happening? You haven't even started your engines yet. But we're well on our way. We have two more left, which I'm going to leave for next week. I'm not even going to tell you what they are. But when we're at number five, I'm going to say something. The power of grace is going to be so... I'm going to have to open the door before you run through it because you're going to want to get excited about finding how to put grace into action, just as Paul did. I want, this is your homework for next week. I want you to take Ephesians, and I want you to read that book. Okay, Read the first three chapters, and what you'll unfold... Now, what, what we're doing is we're taking that slice, verses 14 through 21. That's the start your engines part. But before verse 14, I want you to read that and just see what you are in Christ. And then I want you to go to chapter 4, and I want you to read the last, the last part of all of that, and that's the road map to your life. This is what's going to happen. This is the road atlas. And then, again, just coming back to that, start your engines. Chapters 4 through 6 will never happen until you take the start your engines course. And let's review one more time. So we're going to start by... Somebody said it. What, which is strengthening or exercising, taking care of, feeding, yielding to the Holy Spirit, the inner man, that spiritual side of you. And then what are we going to do? That opens us up to allowing Christ being comfortable. He's really wanting, he wants to be at home in your home. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. I just love it. Because that, what could be better than for Jesus to just come in and say, Oh, it's so good to be home. Isn't that great? That's just how he wants it. And then, number three. I don't know if I said this right, did I? Um, Let me see how I wrote that down. It's about love, right? Yes, yes, there it is. I did. Thank you, Bob. I almost wondered if I said that, but I did. Yeah, incomprehensible love. How many are going to come back with that word next week? What are you going to tell Alice when you go home today? We talked about incomprehensible love. She's going to wonder what went on with you, right? Okay, next week we're going to look at the last two. And then after that, you know what? I think our study on grace may be complete. And not that we touched it in any way, but hopefully grace is way bigger 
way broader, way stronger, way deeper, way more awesome than it was when you just... Sometimes we think of grace as only the thing that we're saved by, right? I'm saved by grace. Oh, no, 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 no. You're living by grace. There's the power of grace. It's, there's just literally hundreds of things that grace has enveloped in your life that just makes and powers and energizes you to be all that God wants you to be. We need to utilize it. And that's why next week we're going to start your engines. Okay? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your love and care. Help us, Father, with our decisions, our problems, our trials, those things that can separate us momentarily from the fellowship that you desire to be with us. As Jesus Christ really wants to be at home completely in our hearts, Father, may you help us. As Paul was praying, may we pray the same, that you would grant us, according to your riches, to strengthen the inner man. To strengthen the inner man so that Christ would dwell comfortably, to be completely at home in our hearts. That literally the incomprehensible love permeates everything that we're involved with. Father, what a great start. What a great opportunity for us to realize a beginning point of what we are in Christ. Now, Father, take us this week. Allow us to be all that you want us to be. May we groom and feed and furnish all that's necessary for the inner man to be renewed day by day. Thank you for what you're going to accomplish in our lives. We thank you for these who are out here today. And, Father, you've got numerous places for them to be engaged in in the world. And you'll take them places that they didn't even know about in the next six to seven days. And may they be excited about where you're going to take them and how you're going to use them. Minister through them. May love just literally just envelop them and those that they touch by word and in any way, Father, that you want them to be engaged in society. Thank you now for all that you're doing. We pause to thank you for the, for the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which permanently, permanently solves all of the problems eternally for those that accept Him by faith. Amazing thought. And in the meantime, to have the Holy Spirit living within us. Amazing. Thank you for all that you're doing in these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.